Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech on Black Hollywood Live. Today, Facebook's making some big changes. Samsung embraces, embraces virtual reality, and X-Men Apocalypse is here. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live's Geek Nerd Tech. Dreams. Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech, the show we break down tech news and nerd culture from a black and brown geek perspective. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm Joe Braswell, joined as always by my man Achilles Shine. What's good, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm well. Um, All right. Glad that we are in the hot season, man. It is yeah, here. It's, it's kind of hot. The wave has come in, man. It's kind of hot. We got a common and, and Nas. I don't know who. Am I? I think. I think in this in this scenario, I guess I, have, I gotta be common. Uh, I'm, I'm C. I'm C. Well, what do you mean? You're just saying the, you have to choose between common. No, no, and right Nas? now, and, 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 you, you and me, out of the two of us, which one's common, which one's Nas? Oh. Ah, see, like I don't even know. <laughs> I feel like you're both common and Nas, but I guess I have to be in, in this in this particular thing. I gotta be. I gotta be more common. Okay, okay. Just because I feel like you're you're a. Uh, I think Nas has got the better skill set. Okay. Well, thank you. So, uh, but comments better looking. Anyway, but <laughs> no, I was kidding. What a geek nerd tech. We have a lot to talk about, uh, a lot to go through. Uh, some news, uh, Facebook news, and, and and some new search engines to talk about, as well as some nerd stuff. Uh, I saw X Men Apocalypse. So I want to talk about that. Uh, first, uh, Facebook is finally, in response to all the pressure from the from the right, is making some changes to his uh, to their, their their trending topics, responding <clears> to <throat> conservatives' complaints. And they're, yep. they're doing that. Um, they went in and sort of done a lot of things to change to change their algorithm um, to make it so that, uh, well, let me just first set up that. There's been complaints by, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, complaints by a lot of conservative that Facebook, the news feed, the the feed is, is catering towards more liberal topics, liberal news, like suppressing all the conservative news that comes up. So they all the trending topics. So what they've done is they've threw out their old algorithm. They've they've changed some things up. They threw out the the pool of, of news they've they've got they get their stuff from and changed those things up and uh, and really went to, to a far long way to address this. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. The um I think the 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 volume of, of the criticism reached a certain height where they had to address it. They yeah. had to speak to it, and so I think they're going to redesign, re-engineer the algorithm so that it's maybe even not an algorithm. Maybe it has more of a human touch or human curation versus it just being something that is uh, mechanical or programmed. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think doing that it, it, it provides and allows more fairness and more. Uh, just just uh, oversight in terms of what stories actually are trending um and i think how they have it designed you know prior to this criticism was well but that's 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 a good thing of criticism it helps prepare from propel you for more innovation and so i, I think this will be uh, a good thing for facebook and a good thing for the 1.6 billion users like yeah. to be able to have um at, at their fingertips the the hottest stories so. now there's a flip side to this i guess it makes more sense i mean they before they would they would, they would take from a pool of about a thousand you know sources and now they've thrown all those thousand out and they go they go down to 10 curated special sources yeah. which enables them to sort of 
control things more and then this algorithm also you add more human touch yeah uh but i mean i guess that it is in a way to go from a thousand sources to 10 in its own way seems a little bit like uh it's not censorship but controlling the narrative a little bit but i guess you have to do what you have to do yeah i think it's just, i think narrowing it down it, it maybe disallows for mistakes or disallows right. for you know a swing to the right or a swing to the left like you have you know a more centralized force that could be able to communicate or disseminate, you know, the, the proper information. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I throw it to you in the sense that do you think, I mean, we kind of talked about this last time that Facebook has so many users, so many eyeballs, the audience is so expansive. Do they have to have this responsibility that a, that a typical news organization would have? Or should they be like, you know, put their flag in the ground? Hey, we're going to do what we want to do. Well, this is this actually that, this is why this is an interesting question, because this is um, Facebook drawing why this is so important to Facebook is they're just kind of drawing their line in the sand as either we're a social network and we do things over here or we are a network content network that that has to adhere almost a broadcast obviously that does adhere to the same standards that broadcast networks do I mean Facebook is on their way to being a studio on their way to being like a next the next you know NBC Universal or Comcast Universal or Time Warner or Viacom so that's where Facebook is headed so they, they're thinking a lot they're thinking they have to apply by those uh, abide by those rules as apply up to uh, rather to abide by just the social network rules. So but, yeah, but but you got to answer why do they have to abide by those rules? Well, why? I, because they're positioning themselves to be much more than just a social network, and, they, and they've are, they're they're already there now with their, with their with their billions and billions of users and their bill and their billions of monthly views and, and and the way people use Messenger and the way people use all their services, including Instagram. So what they're doing is they're positioning themselves as something bigger than just a social network. So they are saying like we will take on the responsibility to make sure that this is. And balanced and equal because we want to have the trust of the public, you know, when, when we ask for even bigger responsibilities in the media. And we need to trust to the public when we take over the world. No, no. But yeah, so, they, so they, have, they have to do that. Otherwise, they could go the other way, like, hey man, we're just a social network. It's not our fault. We're just billion users doing that. They're actually recognizing that the power of these billions of users, like, it is real power. And, this, and you know, like, like uh, Uncle Ben said, uh, Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. So I think that's why they're doing it. They're trying to they're trying to position themselves differently. What do you what do you think? I mean, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think they. I mean, when you talk when you juxtapose them to a network or a studio in terms of their audience uh, reachability, they've already surpassed that 1.6 billion. I don't think there's any uh, there's there's any network or organization that has that many members. Um, oh, I mean, not even all of them put together. Exactly. So, I mean, with that being said, they could theoretically swing an election. They could theoretically yeah. um, swing the vote on a particular issue. Like, they could um, create messaging that could, could spark a revolution. Like They have, you know? though. They already have. Like, right. in, in the, in the, in the um, Arab Spring, like, they have, and, like, this is the thing, between Twitter and Facebook, they have started a revolution. They have toppled governments already. So, or been a tool to do that. A tool, yeah. So, I wouldn't say they have done they, it. They have, yeah. like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> is not pushing buttons like like a big Stratego board or risk board. But, like, they, they, that's a tool. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's powerful. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, with power does come responsibility. And, yeah, you want to you make sure that you are being fair and equal so that all voices have the same opportunity and access to be able to be heard and received. And I think that's, I think if it were any, if it were any discussion, if aside from politi politics or whatever, I think you, you would want it to have that same balance and fairness. So I think it's good that they're addressing the criticism and taking this approach to be able to innovate and build more infrastructure to what, what Facebook, you know, 
uh, promotes. So. Okay, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll keep our eye on that, and we'll see how that how that how that progresses. But um, it's an interesting story that that seems to go beyond like just you know Facebook checking out their uh, their their feed. It, it, it speaks to larger questions that we we talked about. Um, speaking of that, moving on, I want to talk about this new search engine um that that that's come out that is sort of like maybe i don't want to call it the google the google killer but definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely not. I, don't, I don't know what nothing's really the google killer i don't know it's because google is definitely too big to fail or too big to crash i think but it's just called omniti it's a new search engine and it's, it's really directed specifically at research and researchers yeah uh, students law students otherwise and um this is kind of talk, speaks to a new trend which are these sort of really like niche specialized <clears throat> search engines yeah so that that google's already 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 kind of like they're already like work, working with that already, so you can. They're already working on things you can do stuff for flights or or specialized uh, search engines for, for for gifts and things like that. But what this does is, you know, if you're researching something and say you want to do a, 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 a you know a report on Abraham Lincoln or something like this, like it will find every every relevant article, every every. Uh, it basically re- prepares re- a research document for you in the form of a search. So it, it, it enables you to really go through and, and cherry pick and have all this information at your fingertips, you know, which which Google does already, but this does it in a very specific way. And even more so on a larger, on, on a more advanced level for med students or law students, when you're combing through like law, you know, tons and tons of law books or tons and tons of cases or or uh, med students and and scientists. I mean, this is this is for research. This could be incredible. Yeah, definitely incredible. Definitely um, specifically targeted for uh, academics um, and researchers. Um, but what makes this 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 search tool um, very unique is that you're able to do a, a deeper keyword search. So if you wanted to put actually a document into the search um, into the search engine, it will scan the document. And they will isolate all the words that don't really mean anything or have no uh, have have no meaning to 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 the piece like the and right. or, and it will highlight um, the keyword to highlight all the words that are that that could have additional um, research um, additional research that it could it could pull from. So what it will do, it will pull those keywords and then it will it will isolate different articles for you to actually have more information. To uh, to search for, and I think that's kind of cool. It speeds up stuff. Um, it, it 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 brings the, the the top research right to the forefront. Like so, I think for a student who's doing that paper, who's trying to like make a breakthrough with with his thesis or his theory, like it just provides him more of a, a, a expedient and and quicker way to get access to that information. Right. I think that's kind of cool. And I, I, I would not say but, that it's a Google killer. I think that's a bit much. Yeah. It's. it's I mean, Google, Google's so ubiquitous that that's possible. But it also speaks to you know how this stuff gets applied to the bot and AI technology. Like in my my mind, like in a a minute, you'll be able to have, you know, Siri, uh, prepare my research on whatever. And then there's a a research packet. Um, I mean, you know, in in some facets of jobs that I've done in production and shows and whatnot, that's, 
I mean, that, that used to be whole, pre-Google, I'm dating myself here, but that, that was whole departments. Yeah. You know, whole departments at, at, a, at a show like Extra or whatever, that, or any news organization, the whole department that just did research. Yeah. And then Google came, and that whole department shrunk to about five or six kids, you know? Yeah. And then now it's probably like, you know, one PA on, a, on an iPhone or something now. But like, yeah. the point is, that whole, the whole notion of being like, prepare the research on so-and-so, and all the clips and all the research com- that comes out, that's... I think we're, 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 that technology is here. It's, it's definitely here. And it also speaks to our dependency on it. Like, search is everywhere. Search yeah. is not just, you know, in our computers. It's obviously on our phones and tablets. But now it's moving into our homes. It's yeah. moving into our cars. It's moving into all the things that we have integration with. And I think that part is what's really interesting in terms of how it's going to shift um, society and shift culture is that we, we, we'll have so many options to be able to get information from the different tools that are around us that we've never thought of before. And, like, Maybe down the line there will be a Google killer, yeah. you know. So, well, yeah, it it probably won't be like we're always going to have to search, but I guess it's the methodology in which we do that search and how we receive that information. But it seems like Google is always so ahead of the two game. steps ahead yeah. of what we like. They're already doing the thing that we don't know we need yet, so uh, they would have to really slip or someone have to really, really have to come and really yeah. disrupt. Um, which um, there was this. Uh, I just I just I listened to this this pod I can't remember my, my, my man's name but uh, was talking about the, the the next disruptive technology and what's happening and how a lot of these things are sort of flattening out now in the next area that you're talking about is this whole basically um, the the ability for uh, the AI and the, and the drones and the and the robotics this is the next generation of things they're like I guess apparently Google um, now. That just made public their their platform to be able to um, to to write AI for 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 for, dr- for drones and, and and cars and everything else. Like Google, like made that public. So so now there's guys who are actually there's a guy who just built his own from scratch driving car, like self driving car. Mm-hmm. There's guys who are out there now now are doing like drone technology with, with, with using tech software that's available to anyone. Yeah. And what what he was saying is that it's 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 incredible how you know. Uh, ten years ago, this, this was this was tens of millions of dollars in a grant, you know, uh, to to be able to do, to get this. Like five years ago, it was a ton of it was a rumor of secret researchers. Uh, three years ago, it was a team in Google, and now this year, it's a guy down the street doing yeah. doing his garage. And next year, you'll be able to buy it at Walmart. Right, you know what I'm saying so. But, but I mean, just the idea of that, but, but the idea that you and I and a bunch of other people can can just open source, like if we wanted to, the next mm-hmm. generation of kids can make their own versions of flying drones and flying cars that they, that they do that you can go buy a kit at Radio Shack. Yeah, that that that's that's incredible. It's definitely incredible. I mean, I think when you talk about the the age of robotics or AI, like we're definitely when we talk about the original theory, technolo- technological singularity, we're definitely yes. in the window of time, like. According to the science fiction theory, like we're supposed to have reached by 2025 a time where the technology is autonomous and we're close to it. That's, you know, less than 10 years away. And it, I mean, think about 10 years ago, right. we didn't even have a Facebook. We didn't even have these things. So 10 years from now, who knows what our society is going to look like and what the technology is going to be able to do. Like, I believe that we will reach that point at 2025 where we will be talking. We'll have on, we'll have on our show as a guest an artificial intelligence being. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, Watson. So Watson, <laughs> who do you got coming up this year? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Mark Andreessen's the guy. Mark Andreessen's the guy who's sort of considered the, the father, the modern father of the internet. He created Netscape, did that browser, and sold that for billions with a B. Then did something else and sold that with billions with a B. He sold multiple, creating sold multiple billion dollar companies, and pretty much has his finger on the pulse. He's one of those guys in higher higher echelon, like Peter Thiel and him, and you know even uh, uh, Gates and those guys in terms of you know, second level Silicon Valley innovators. And he had a lot to say, um, isn't is, I'm just shouting it out because it's on a on the uh, Tim Ferriss podcast. Want to check it out. The latest interview with Mark Andreessen. It's really, really fascinating in terms of where we think things are going. And uh, it's, it's incredible. Anyway, um, next, so there's that. Uh, next, Apple, uh, speaking of that, of open sourcing things, Apple finally is going to open up Siri uh, to its developers, which is, which is, we think is a a big deal because Siri right now, and in, in, in terms of AI and what, what, what AI and what it can do, uh, is very limited. And um, and Apple has a ton of ton of crazy security protocols that 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 inhibits uh, Siri from doing the right thing. We know that original team that started and built Siri went off and did their own thing. Um, I forget what it's called, like Lulu or something. I forget what she's called. But now it's uh, it's 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 open sourcing for developers to do stuff. That that could be big. Right? Yeah, definitely big. Um, it gives the opportunity to put the smartest and most uh, advanced minds on it. And when you talk about having the opportunity to work with a company like Apple, um, yeah, you would want to you would have you would want to have that integration. So I think, um, yeah, Siri Siri right now is is playing catch up. Like when you talk about the Amazon Echo, you talk about the Google Home, you talk yeah. about the other other. Uh, um, uh, what am I trying to say? The other uh, assistant assistant uh, apps that are out there, Siri is not in. I would say maybe not even in the top five, or barely no. in the top five. So um, they definitely need to innovate that and revamp that. And so I think keep making open open source will provide them, like I said, the the smartest, the wisest, the the most innovative people to be able to do that. So right. I'll be interested in that. I want, I want to get like an Echo and a Siri or a Cortana and Siri and then be like, Siri, ask Echo, you know, and have them talk to each other. But that that that's coming. That's coming soon. Um, while this break, I want to just talk to you about uh, The Last Star. It's the, you know, it's this whole book series uh, that we that we love here. And I want to um, read this. This is a read, so you bear with me a little bit. <clears throat> Keely, <laughs> what if today was the last normal day of your life? Casey Sullivan thought she knew that what tomorrow would bring, but she was strong. We were all strong. The first wave took our power, killing half a billion people. The second wave put that number to shame with tsunamis that destroyed everyone within 100 miles of the ocean. Goodbye, coastal cities. After the third wave, only only the unlucky remain. Survivors of a virus that left only a th one, a 3% of the world standing. In the fourth wave, others became us, inhuman beings hiding inside human faces. At the dawn of the fifth wave, we had to choose, give up, get up, or fight. But that was only the beginning. In these last days, Earth's remaining survivors will need to, de will need to decide what's more important, saving ourselves or saving what makes us human. Rick Yancey's number one New York Times bestselling novel, The Fifth Wave, introduces us to introduces us to a group of young people struggling to survive in the aftermath of a catastrophic alien invasion. Its sequel, its sequels, The Infinite Sea and the newly released The Last Star, follow them in a series of battles and betrayals as they, as they fight the ultimate war between life and death, hope and despair, love and hate. 
Entertainment Weekly calls the series remarkable not to be missed under any circumstances and urges fans to just read it. USA Today hails it as a modern sci-fi masterpiece. And best-selling author of The Passage, Justin Cronin, raves New York Times best raves in his New York Times best-selling review, calling the fifth wave wildly entertaining. This highly anticipated finale is here and will and will leave readers stunned. Um, so check this out. To learn more about the Fifth Wave series, go to fifthwavebooks.com. That's fifthwavebooks.com. Uh, you can check out the entire series and learn everything you need to know about it, including The Last Star and The Infinite Sea. Um, that's all I got. Check that out. The Last Star. Good stuff. Okay. Moving forward, I want to talk to you about uh, Samsung. We're in the, we're in the NBA uh, Finals right now. Um, we saw Golden State Dispatch of... Um, Cleveland last night, but one thing Samsung's doing is they're using, uh, they're they're taking their Twitter users users inside the series with a three hundred three hundred sixty degree ads. Uh, we talked about this before, the sort of virtual reality uh, version or virtual reality ads, um, and the NBA and Samsung are partnering up on this thing, and I I, I think it's kind of cool. I don't know what do you think. Oh, definitely cool. But it's NBA, Samsung, and Twitter. Oh, Twitter so as well. I yes. Think I think the play on Twitter is great because it's giving them opportunity to create a revenue stream in terms of auxiliary content that they can they can go to a brand and be like, hey, we have this this audience for you to use for you to be able to you know siphon your 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 video content and you can do it in a cool way. And so I think the technology play is dope, the social the social play is dope, um, especially around the NBA Finals, which is so high profile. You have the Argue, arguably the greatest athletes going head to head, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, yep. um, and the, to be able to have this auxiliary content where you can see it 360 degrees. And I actually checked out the app; it's pretty. The or, the 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 link it's pretty cool. Like yeah. where you're able to literally see them warming up, and you can move your phone um, 360 degrees and see the whole stadium. It's empty. Then you move on to the court and you see them shooting and doing layups, and then you see yeah. the coaches on the side. Like it's it's pretty fascinating yeah. that, that we have that technology, that is. and I could just see that being applied to so many things, i.e., a concert. Um, yeah. It could be a, a medical surgery happening. It could be so many ways to, to apply it. And I think, man, like the the possibilities and the potentiality of it is is endless. Um, but I think it's cool to do it with basketball and sports because you're already watching it on your TV. Yeah, you already have your phone in your hand. Hey, I want to check out what's happening in the locker room during right. during halftime or right. whatever or pregame. Boop, and I can look and see. Yeah, that's fresh. It is. It is fresh, and it's it's, it's really fresh. You'll be able to use the accelerometer and the and the phone to be able to have that technology. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I mean, it just seems like a no brainer in, in figuring that out. And I wonder if this is gonna be applied at some point to. I'm almost jumping ahead, but I wonder if this can be applied to your 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 at home experience. I mean, like you know, you have these already like you know, the Samsung curved TVs. I wonder if there'll be ever a situation where you can. You know, maybe with your remote, like look to the left or look to the right or see some things or or how how immersive will this get for the home experience? Because you're only so limited in what, what you're able to do with the VR experience. But I, I, I don't know. I think I might disagree with that because it's all about the second screen. Most people have most people are spending more time on the second screen. And right. so like they're, they're trying to captivate that. Like if if I'm going to be on my phone while I'm watching a game, I should be on either the NBA app. Or I should be looking at NBA content. Yeah, I. And so that that's kind of what the play is. You know what I'm saying? I see. That makes so. sense. Because yeah, I, I'm I'm always at least at least one screen, sometimes two screens, while watching the game. Right. So the game's a primary screen. I've 
I'm at least with a laptop, sometimes a laptop and an iPad, you know, and I think that whether you're checking scores or, or reading reading some real-time tweets in real, real time while the game's going on or you're doing other things, what about the idea of, yeah, I mean, this this is, I didn't just thought about this. You're watching the game, and then while you're watching the game, you can actually be looking at some other stuff exactly. on, the, on your second screen while checking real-time tweets in the other place. So that's really, uh, and talk about engagement, like how, yeah. how, how, one, how, how one company can engage you on all these platforms is really interesting. Yeah. Um, which is what it's all about. Uh, speaking of engagement, the Rio Olympics are, are are right around the corner, and if they're not, you know, moved or canceled due to the, due to the Zika, uh, NBC, which NBC does not want to talk about that, uh, so much money invested, but NBC is finally um, planning to, to broadcast and do some 4K and dynamic range stuff, um, and and I think it's is I think it's only for the opening ceremony, or is it just for? It's for the opening and closing ceremony. Okay, but actually, it's it's a lot of it's going to be shot in 8K and scaled down to 4K. Uh huh. Um, which I think is, is great. I yeah. mean, we're definitely in the time where they should be offering us 4K um, uh, content. You know, a lot of us have 4K TVs now. A lot of us went out and so, 4K exactly. TVs and are looking at old technology, so. But I, I think it speaks to the Olympics as a destination point for technology to emerge. And like, all, very similar to the Super Bowl or even like the World Cup, we see a lot of different like social media plays and technological implementation built around you know sporting events so i think olympics is a perfect place for that to happen and you want to see like the cultural elements that is that that the olympics is all about different countries coming together to compete seeing all the different symbolic stuff in the best form and so the best colors the best sharpness the best picture and i think that's kind of cool to be able to have that um as a choice as an option um so yeah i'm excited about it i have a 4k tv but I probably won't be watching it because I'll be at the Olympics. Yes, yes, <laughs> we, 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 we will be at the Olympics if, if, if hopefully uh, not not drinking any water. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Now, yeah, it would be there. And I, uh, but I would definitely want. I definitely will be recording that because I think that broadcast of, you know, that coverage and that broadcast of the opening ceremonies is always something that is is spectacular and that's something that's not to be missed. Even though we're lucky enough to be there in person. So, um, but what do you, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, like, it, how long do you think it'll take? It just always seems like by the time programmers and broadcasters catch up to the technology, by the time we all get to broadcasting things in 4K, 8K's here. Well, 8K's already here in you Japan know? for sure. Right, it's already there. And, and some of those, like, they, they even mentioned that. Um, like uh, you know, OBS and NHK are going to be doing some some H HK uh, stuff. And just just to be clear, HK is sixteen times. Eight K. I'm sorry, yeah, eight K is sixteen times the resolution of, of regular HD. So, um, I mean, in 2012 was the first. Um, was that? Well, I don't know what the, the first Olympics was. It 12? No, it wasn't 12. The first Olympics where they did what 4K? No, yeah, no, I'm back. To, was it? Was it? Uh, was it? Eight? Oh four or oh eight when they did it, HD. Uh, it's, it's, they definitely had it for Beijing for sure. Okay, so I think the, I feel like I feel like oh eight was the first HD one. I could be completely wrong. It could be oh four. I could be completely wrong on that. But uh, but just seeing stuff in HD, seeing sports in HD, I remember with the, how, how much that changed the whole perspective of how you look oh, at sports, yeah. especially specifically hockey. You know, because you can even follow the puck. You know, hockey <laughs> on TV is terrible, but with HD, it was a whole new ball game. Football is a whole new ball game. Basketball is a whole new ball game. So, it's about the experience, man. You're giving you're giving the audience a different experience. I'm yeah. really curious to see what happens in 4K and 8K because I don't know if it's going to look beautiful. Yeah, it's going to look amazing. So uh, and and obviously that it, the, the one thing lends itself to that technology. Nothing lends itself to that than than sports. Yeah, sports exactly. is the one thing that really. Um, is fantastic with that. Uh, okay, I want to skip. 
um, the the this next one, and and go to the dark side of the internet. Um, uh, this is more of a sort of a debate to me, I and mean, this is just sort of like talking about uh, you know what happens. This is something we've been warned about for a long time, which is basically having your 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 business in the in, in, in the street via social via all your social media pro- platforms and having it catch up to you with you whether it's pr- prospective jobs you're going to get or um, or your current workplace that you're in right now and um, and what what um, employers or should or shouldn't be be allowed to do um, I don't know I just this is just. I, it, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this because I think this is what we're talking about. Here. I'm curious about this because I, it, it's, it, it, it speaks to where all of this, all the social, all of us living in a social world, how that affects um, what companies and, and prospective employers are able to utilize to be able to, to, to hire and fire people. And I don't know what, what, what the line is. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think. I think there's a, a, a number of things to talk about when we discuss the dark side of the internet. One is the the usage of it, um, especially between the ages of 18 and 30. Like we, we are almost like guinea pigs. Um, our, our My generation in particular is almost like a guinea pig generation and millennial generation in terms of the technology because we were born with it. Um, and we've been raised with it from video games and internet to computers to even how we uh, work and we do stuff. And so the usage has been so high that it's caused um, a, n- a new form of addiction called internet addiction. It's not even something that has been um, considered um, as, a, as, a, as a true medical term yet, but it's a problem that people use it so much that it creates a, a different, a different uh, it creates a change in their brain um, and almost to the point where they can't function without being connected to a device. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what the article was talking about, the dark ways of, of, of the internet or dark ways of technology because it's almost paralyzing um, and it's mostly men, it's mostly paralyzing young men um, to, to being antisocial um, and not really having not really having a life, not having the ability to cook, do laundry, they just stuck on the internet. And they're seeing more and more cases of this where um, kids now, because they've been accustomed to using technology from from eight years old, now they're in, in their 20s, that's all they do. They just sit at home, play games, and they're on the internet. And it's, it's destructive. Um, and they even broke it down scientifically how, you know, the different hormones are, are released in the brain, chemicals are released in the brain that make you feel, in the pleasure centers that make you feel good because, hey, you got 100 likes on Facebook, or hey, you're winning a game, or, it makes you it makes you feel like I'm accepted, but then when you step away from from the technology, then you look into the real world. It brings about a depression, so it's unhealthy, and that's what they're they're saying. They're arguing that this is a problem almost um, parallel to alcoholism or any any form of drug addiction. So that's interesting. So you in the real real world, you're not able to bring that. You're not able to the things that would give you joy in the real world that should give you joy, the small things to big things to small achievements, like doing something on your own or, you know, whatever it is, don't register because you're wired, hardwired to think in terms of likes and social acceptance or how many kills you got on Call of Duty or whatever it is. Yeah. That, that, that's the thing. And how does that translate to the real, to the real, real world? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, is, that is very, very scary. And then, again, what does that mean for 
the places we're going, which is even more, more and more and more, more exactly. immersion, like you know, with with with, with the the three D with the virtual reality world. I mean, that there, there's something to be said to that. This is where this is like you know we're headed towards Wall-E, uh, the the Pixar movie when everyone sort of like you know fat, overweight, attacked attached to screens. I mean that 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 doesn't seem unrealistic based on kind of what the thing what, what we got going on here. I mean, definitely not un- unrealistic at all. I mean, you look at anything that you overconsume or it's oversaturated, you're going to have it's going to have an addictive quality to it. Mm-hmm. If you if you do anything all the time, like it's going to have an adverse effect on you. And so, yeah, we never look at we never look at our technology usage as something that that has an adverse effect. But I remember as a kid, my dad would say, for every hour you watch TV or you play video games, you need to do three or four hours of studying or reading. Right. I don't know if that expectation is is here with parenting in in 2016. Like, I, in a way, like parents throw the kid the iPad to quiet them. They throw the kid the iPhone to so that they can have have th- their own time to go do something else. Yeah. Like, I think that's destructive. You know, it, it could be. It is destructive. Like you see a lot of like in restaurants a lot. You'll see a lot of kids. You know, basically have the iPhone propped up watching. A movie right. in order to keep them quiet in a restaurant. I mean, I would I would prefer that you know if that happens, at least give them one of those you know interactive games to have them learning. If if, if they must be if if they must be you know if that's that's, if that's your thought. But the idea of keep the kid quiet by showing them a screen, you know, for for I mean we didn't we didn't have that. We had like someone was like shaking keys at my face or something. <laughs> that's all I had. That's a pla- I had some plastic keys, you know. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, it's really it's really interesting. Well, we'll see. I think there's a lot of Upside to the to the, the speed of learning that that kids are doing now with with touch screens and phones that you know definitely an upside. There's an upside, but there's also anything a, has to be balanced. But there's also a dark side. So yeah. uh, one one last question on this point: like, where at what point? Not to get into a, like a you know, libertarian versus you know, you know whatever argument on this, but at what point do you think what responsibility do you think the government has in like sort of like being able to regulate what? Should or shouldn't be done, or how, or is that is that? It starts in the home, man. This is this is not a a, a question of how the government should help regulate um, people's technology usage. It's a question of what mom and dad are doing in the home and with how they're allowing their kid to be instructed. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's plain and simple. Like, if they're looking at something all day long, they're not really living. They're not really yeah. living, so break that, break that habit. And that's what, that's what these treatment centers are doing. When you have the, you have the internet addiction or the technology addiction, yeah. they take them to a home where there's no technology. Yeah. They go outside and they play. Right. <laughs> and kids are like, ah, I don't want to play. <laughs> Where's my? I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I don't know, I don't know, I haven't been, I don't know that I've been disconnected like that. I, I, I think every, I think every year, I make some ridiculous threat, like. This year in the vacation, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend a whole week or a whole two days without no devices. Hey man, I, 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 have all, you done that? I'm a proponent of doing a technology fast at least once a year. Or at least wow. you go a day without using without using any technology. Okay, phone, TV, internet, just a day. Let your mind breathe. Let your not, your mind rest. Get some clarity. Right. I mean, I think it's important to do. You know, for me, like the thing that happens with me is. Uh, I can do the no TV and the no computer and the no. I think what happens with me with the phones now, I get a, there's, a, there's a certain amount of anxiety that is like a FOMO anxiety, but not like just more so like, you know, 
what if there's an emergency or what if uh, something's happening right now and I have no way to get, you know, I, that, that, that it, it's, it's an interesting feeling that like, I grew up in an era where we didn't, you couldn't reach you. Exactly. I grew up without, without pagers, exactly. you know, so that was just the way it was. You're gone. You came home and you got the message or whatever, exactly. <laughs> like, or your mom was, I've been looking for you all day. Where you been? Right. So the idea of, you know, going back to that to me is, is terrifying. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It's really, it's really scary. So, I'm gonna break myself. So if you're on an island, you're vacationing, with your significant other, you're having a blast. You still want to be on your phone? No, but I would. But I, but I like the comfort of knowing that if if someone needed to get to me, if there was an emergency, this is what I would need in my brain. I like. I would have to know that someone would come out to me, you know, with a phone, <laughs> Mr. Braswell, on the beach, like like that, like they would do in the old days, like like you see in the old movies, you know, when someone's on the beach. Uh, a call from the mainland. <laughs> like, I, I just need to know that I'm, I'm reachable because, or something that, because otherwise I just have this anxiety, like, so I, I can't even enjoy myself. So I'm like, something right now, uh, I'm turning my phone off, and that's when all hell's going to break loose. Man. But I, I need to, that's, 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 I, I need to look at that. My last note, I know we're running out of time, but last note for me about this is that I've actually, I actually can tell the destructive elements of technology for me personally. When I'm sitting in my editing bay and I'm editing all day, mm -hmm. and I look up and I've been here for eight hours nonstop, mm -hmm. I feel a difference in my personality, I feel a difference in my energy. It's shifting something. Yeah. yeah. And it's not good. And you do that day after day after day after oh, day, yeah. like you're fucking yourself up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, like editors, I don't, I don't understand, like that, that, I, that's just something I don't understand, the ability to be able to do that, like as a, as a full-time job. Like eight, 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 well, eight hours is a joke. So usually, like, like more like ten to, yeah, to ten, and up, ten, ten and up, ten and up, yeah. ten, ten to twenty hours. Like, so that that's a lot. So I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. Um, uh, last thing I'll say, uh, last thing I'll, I'll say about that is it reminds me of um, oh, the whole yeah. I used the Grand Theft Auto, the GT, the Grand Theft Auto thing, man. It like re, like it does rewild rewire neural pathways in your brain because I'll play G, G, Grand Theft Auto for a long time, you know. I mean, like an hour even, an hour. And I'll get in the car and I start whipping, like looking to like run over pedestrians and stuff. Like, you, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm not kidding. You have a problem. No, but I, I've never I've never heard people talk about this before. Like, you, you like this these, guy has a problem. You like start running through stoplights. You want to you want to jump. You know, it's it's really the way that, the way that especially the new GTA is. It's like wow. Anyway, all right. Uh, rehab, brother. Rehab. <laughs> I need something, man. Uh, yeah, uh, so let's move on to. Um, well, I, I, I do want to talk about. I, just skip. I do want to talk a little bit about X Men Apocalypse. I did. I did. I did get a chance to see it. Did you, did you get a chance to see it at I all? I did. You did. What do yeah. you think? That was great. Um, I went in there kind of like biased because I heard a lot of bad things about yeah. it. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it was great. Um, I, I, I mean, not to give any spoilers, but I love the the title sequence, which is one thing I've been studying a lot. I love this title sequence. It was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I love the opening. Yeah. The opening was dope. How, you know, the, the context of the yeah. whole movie. And yeah, just, I mean, when you juxtapose it to uh, the Avengers and other other Marvel movies, I like the, the ensemble of characters. Like, yeah. I think they're cool. You know, I think they offer a, a different tone than, than, say, like the Avengers. It's more of a darker tone, yeah. which kind of like, it resonates better. It resonates differently, rather, rather yeah. with me. So uh, I, I definitely think they've done a great job. Like Brian Singer and and and, uh, and Fox thinks and Fox has done a great job in sort of like building this world. And I think Brian Brian Singer especially. I mean, he's done now four of the nine. Well, if you count, if you count to two, if you count to Wolverines, there's nine movies. But like, he's done four or five of these now, and I think he's done a great job with this. The issue that I'm having. With this new X Men series is and look starting with X Men First Class was that when they did a full reboot um, to X Men um, 
Days of Future Past, and now this <clears> one. <throat> these first three movies are like one big long origin story. Yeah, like, they serve as one origin story for the new X Men. It's right. like. Uh, so we, we talk about like people talk about how I don't want to see the same Spider-Man get rebooted you know, the Spider-Bite Spider-Man three different movies I don't want to see this in three different movies for me this is like three movies to get to an origin story like we had three movies of the X-Men and now we have three movies that are origin of the X-Men yeah. um, why, why is that problematic? well it, it's actually it, it isn't isn't because I feel like the first two it's, it, it kind of lends itself to the way we, we consume episodic television yeah. so it's really like oh this is a continuing series and there's mm-hmm. a lot of stories to be told and it's, it's dense the X-Men there's a lot of motherfuckers in the X-Men so it's a very dense thing but by the time the reason why it bothers me by the time I got to this third one it just felt like the whole central storyline of Apocalypse and all that stuff is just a, a device to set up the, or, the rest of these origin stories, you know? I think it's an excellent device. And I, that, that, that's a good argument to make. So I just sort of feel, I, I guess I, can't find, I found myself like, okay, get on with it. Like, let's get on to the fourth movie already. Like, I feel like I don't want to see another movie with more setup as to how the X-Men come together. I just want to get to, just get to it already. Let's get to them being the X-Men and fighting folks. I, f- I feel like finally this is it. Like we finally got to that point, um, but uh, overall, but yeah, all the characters are great. Sophie Turner as uh, as as Jean Grey was great. Yep. All the new versions, the, the the new Storm, all those people were. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. And not, I wasn't sold on Storm, but anyway, it's cool. Well, I, I, I was. Holly Berry is way better. I'm not sold on Holly Berry's Storm, so, except for the way she looks. Okay, like that broke accent. No, Holly Berry's accent in Storm is not a suspect. That's <laughs> yeah. but she's so fine. Well, you don't you don't care. Her her accent. It was suspect as well. Yeah, well, it's yeah, terrible. Actually. It was terrible. <laughs> but she, you know, eat that, eat that. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Uh, but uh, all the characters beast. But what, what, what I was reminded with about is what they do an excellent job, and we'll get out of here. Is that you know the X Men is built around two extremely fine actors, mm-hmm. and Ian McKellum and um, and Sir Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. to serve Ian McKellum and Sir Patrick Stewart as uh, Xavier and and and. Um, and Magneto, yeah. and the, the the emotional core that they had in those first three movies, and yeah. like it really grounds the whole thing in realism, along with you know Hugh Jackman and everything else. Absolutely. So to be able to find the younger versions of those, they've done it because I think James McElroy and Michael Fassbender yeah. are also excellent actors, and they really ground it in some realness and yeah. all all that back forward, like Charles Eric. Yeah. Charles, Eric, all that stuff. It's like, I believe it. Yeah. And, the, and the sort of good debate. And, and, and they set it up to where Magneto is not a bad dude. He just has a very strong difference of opinion. And so that's a, 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 the way mutants no, should be treated. He's a, he's a tormented dude. He's a tormented he's, dude. He's bad and good. Exactly. He's, in a way, which makes makes him kind of human. Yeah. You know? I like the way that it just it makes me laugh because even though he's a mutant, Ma- Magneto is the villain, and he's he's a, he is a villain. But even in these last three movies, Magneto is has been the villain. But somehow he's like still ends up being homies with Charles. Like they just ah, that was a crazy disagreement, Eric. I'll see you later. You know, yeah. <laughs> we they're, almost kill each other. I mean, again. they're Kendrick spirits. Yeah, so uh, I, I, do, I do like that dynamic. It's not like Eric's just evil, you know, right. and Charles is just good. This is more complicated than that. I think that 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 to have that at the core. Um, and and is, is what well, I like the backstory of how they're 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 communicating what is making him become evil because yeah. of all the, the all the torment he's had to go through, all right. the loss he's had to go through at the hands of men, at the exactly. hands of people you know who, who don't like 
people different from themselves, which right. is the whole, this has always been the undercurrent of the X-Men. Right. Um, and this also speaks, this also reminds me how progressive um, Kirby and Stan Lee were back in the 60s. They were always way more progressive than DC, so they're always doing stuff with, you know, undertones about uh, racial issues and undertones about, you know, difference and, and women and equality and all that stuff is, is, is built into all the whole mutants, all that stuff is built into all the Marvel yeah. stuff. Like, even in the 70s, you know, with, 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 with Black Panther and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and Luke Cage, there's just a, an element of that stuff that's built in where DC was just like, you know, Superman right. and Batman. They really, mm-hmm. didn't really touch in that. So, uh, to see those characters last and see that, that's why it's able to have those issues still translate in 2016. Because that's the world we live in. Exactly, <laughs> human issues. And I yeah. think that that's just, that's, that's a testament to something that is easier to tap into and get to. Whereas Superman, like, you know, is he a god? Is he a man? Like, that's, yeah. It's hard to get to wrap your head around it's not, that. It's not as grounded. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's it. Um, I think that's it. We that's all we got for now. Um, I think that we're out of time. Uh, there, uh, one last thing. Rogue Run, Rogue One is doing some reshoots, so people seem to be a little uh, jumpy and sketchy, sketchy about that. I think it'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. Um, I think I think Rogue One's gonna be fine. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I don't know. That's it. Anything else you got? Nah, man. I, I highly recommend you guys go see X Men. It's pretty okay. dope. All right. I, I I I like it too. I like it. Yeah, I like cool. it too a lot. Uh, that's, that's all we got. Um, where can the people find you? Akili? People can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Akili Shine, A K I L I S H I N E. And where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe K Braswell on Snapchat um, at J K Braz. Um, I'm, I'm trying to work on my Snapchat game. I'm not sure I understand it completely, but I think I'm getting better at it. So uh, thank you all for joining us. Thank you for joining us in Geek Nerd Tech. Um, We will see you all next week. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.